the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. If you would have said one year ago today the Jacksonville Jaguars would win their division in 2022 and win a playoff game, the person listening to you would have said you're nuts. Yet, that's exactly what happened. After a 2-6 start, the Jaguars won seven of their final nine games to win the AFC South, then engineered the third largest comeback in NFL playoff history to win a game against the Los Angeles Chargers in the wildcard round. Yes, they lost to the Chiefs the following week, but heck, the Chiefs went on to win the Super Bowl. Given how the team came together under first-year head coach Doug Peterson, they are trying their best to keep this team intact as they look for even more success in 2023. They've lost some key players to free agency already, but they've also been able to re-sign many more. With an eye toward the draft, the Jaguars will look to fill the few holes they have on their roster right now. What are their holes, and who have they lost, and how will they replace them? To answer these questions and more, I welcome back Demetrius Harvey, our Jaguars beat reporter for the Florida Times Union in Jacksonville. Demetrius is one of the most knowledgeable Jaguars reporters in existence, and he's here to fill you in on everything the team is working on. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course this podcast, to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Demetrius Harvey is getting set to fly out to Arizona this upcoming weekend for the NFL owners' meetings. Then in about a month, the NFL draft arrives. Let's bring in Demetrius to hear about what's been a busy offseason for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Demetrius, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to be back. Absolutely. So in my intro, I mentioned that someone would have thought it was crazy to believe the Jaguars would win their division in 2022 and win a playoff game after the Urban Meyer disaster of 2021. (laughs) Being someone who's covered the team for years, how surprised were you, especially after they started two and six last season? Yeah, I mean, it, it it was kind of strange because, you know, over the past two years before that, 2021 and 2020, the Jaguars were the worst team in the league. You know, they had the, the first overall pick for, for two years in a row, and they were one of the only teams to do that in, in NFL history. You know, they were historically bad. Um, so, you know, when, when they started two and six, it, it was it was kind of different because, you know, for most of those games that they lost, if not all of them during that run, uh, they were only losing by one score. So there was reason to believe that they were on the right path. Um, but for them to end up 9-8, winning the AFC South, uh, winning a playoff game, that I couldn't have foreseen. I don't think anybody, if, if you had asked anyone um, after the season if they saw that coming and they said yes, I would say they were, they were lying. I mean, um, just for what they went through, through Urban Meyer, um, even at the end of the Doug Marone era where, you know, they had people leaving, wanting out, the locker room was a mess. Um, for them to be able to turn it around that quickly and have a successful season, uh, it was just shocking. Yeah, absolutely. And now with success comes other challenges because obviously failure creates a lot of challenges, but success uh, creates a lot of challenges. And that is keeping the players 
that have made you successful. So free agency opened last week, and the Jaguars were busy from the start. You know, even though it technically didn't open till Wednesday, things were being announced on Monday. And perhaps the biggest losses to the team were Juwan Taylor and defensive end Arden Key. So talk about the impact of losing them, who else the Jaguars have lost, and how they're going to be able to replace these guys. Because Taylor, he was, you know, really versatile. Yeah, I mean, it it, it was a situation where it didn't seem like they were going to be able to keep everyone. I mean, it's just a, a, a position that they sort of put themselves in on one end, and then also, you know, they kind of want to get away from the big spending. So they were going to have to lose at least one or two guys. Jawan obviously went off to the chiefs to sign for an $80 million contract. I think like 60 million is guaranteed. The Jaguars were just not going to match that. So, you know, losing him, um, I think was probably their, their biggest loss so far. They've lost Chris Manhurts. They've lost, they've lost Arden key. And then obviously Jawan, um, but Jawan played a, a pivotal role last year. He was able to sort of stabilize, help stabilize the offensive line next to Brandon Sheriff. He had his best year. Um, he hasn't missed a snap. It, it, it's tough to replace a guy like that. Um, and then Arden Key, you know, losing him, he was a, a really good rotational guy. He, he's sort of a, a tweener where he can play outside, play inside. Um, you know, he only had four and a half sacks, but he was one of the best uh, players on the team in terms of his pass rush productivity, meaning, you know, he was able to uh, cause pressures more often than pretty much everybody on the team besides Josh Allen. Um, so, you know, it, it was a, it was a situation where I think that uh, the Jaguars just weren't willing to go, you know, above and beyond to pay these guys. I think, you know, Arden Key signed a three year contract worth uh, twenty one million dollars, something like that, 13 million guaranteed. Um, they just weren't willing to to sort of go up there. I, I, I guess that that was sort of the 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 situation there. So you know, losing both those guys, it, it's 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 critical. And, you know, it's going to be tough to replace, especially Jawan. Um, but you know, at, at least for now, I think that they're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, you know, even though Jawan is from Florida, lived about you know his family's about two hours south of Jacksonville. Somebody offers me 80 million, 60 million guaranteed. I'd say, Mom, I'll fly you up to come visit me in Kansas City. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, and now he's tasked, you know, hey, he's tasked with protecting Patrick Mahomes, you know, a two time Super Bowl winner after keeping Trevor Lawrence safe for the last couple of years. And, you know, last year, his fourth year in the league was easily his best. I mean, he was just so good last year. You know, how rare is it that you have an offensive lineman who can go four straight years without missing a game? And who who are they looking at to replace him there? Because, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he certainly needs, you know, that that big, healthy, strong type of lineman to give him the time to do what he does special. Yeah, it's 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 super rare to 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 have an offensive lineman. Um, go four straight years, pretty much missing no snaps. You know, he missed a few snaps um, in week one because of cramps, something that he told me afterward, actually, that had never happened to him before. He, you know, his entire uh, hamstring or, or leg was, was seasoned up. He had to get an IV. He, he, he was hydrating. He didn't know what happened. So, you know, it was a situation where I think, um, you know, Jawan was probably one of the most durable players in the NFL, not even just offensive linemen, I think, you know, just in terms of being able to play nearly every single snap for four straight years. I mean, that's a credit to him, you know, obviously his his hard work. But 
um, you know, that that's another reason why it's going to be more difficult to replace him. You know, in, throughout the league, uh, teams have lost their left tackle or their right tackle. They have to put in their swing tackle. Um, you know, and now all of a sudden the Jaguars are sitting with pretty much two tackles that are, you know, worthy, I think, of of of, of starting. Cam Robinson obviously uh, has started at left tackle over the past five years and 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 Walker Little was drafted in the 2021 draft uh, because, you know, they thought that maybe he could come in and potentially be a replacement either for Robinson or Taylor. And now they're so, sort of sitting at that crossroad that they put themselves in and they have to go with with Walker now. So I think that he's going to probably replace him. But, you know, the, the the key part will be finding that replacement essentially for 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 Walker Little, you know, you're going to have to have that swing tackle because like I said, it's incredibly rare for a guy um, to go four straight years without missing a snap pretty much, you know, without missing a game. Um, you know, Cam Robinson having that knee injury that kind of proves that, you know, he's missed pretty much, um, you know, one year and then several games of, of, of his career because of that. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, the physicality of these guys, you know, you never think of the offensive linemen until they're gone. And, you know, one of the things that w- when you stand near Jawan Taylor that impressed me is for a 320 pound guy who's six and a half feet tall, just about, you know, he had very thin athletic legs, big barrel chested body, and his head was like the size of a pumpkin. So, you know, he, he's really going to be missed by them. But, you know, a, another player who just has one of those impressive physiques, I mean, Arden Key looked like he was handed down from Mount Olympus the way he was chiseled and huge. And, you know, a, a couple of those guys, him, Josh Allen, I mean, just amazing physically. And, you know, Arden Key this week saying after he's introduced by the Tennessee Titans, he felt disrespected by the Jaguars, even though he only played there for one season. So what went on with his situation? Yeah, you know, it was it was a situation where, you know, from what I know, Arden Key obviously uh, meant a lot to the Jaguars. He was one of the um, best players in terms of a, a, a locker room presence. He was able to keep the defensive line on task. You know, he was sort of that, you know, leader that wasn't necessarily the frontline guy. You, you kind of had those those players in a given locker room, but you know, he meant a lot. And I think that what, what the issue he had was, is, you know, for, for weeks, you know, as the season ends, the Jaguars are saying, Hey, we want to resign you. We're looking to resign you. Here's what we're going to you know, try to do. We want to bring everybody back. We want to bring you back, especially. Um, he thought that he was a priority for them. He thought that he was a major priority like Evan Ingram, you know, they franchise tagged him, you know, maybe not applying the franchise tag, obviously, to Arden, but, you know, at least paying him uh, to the level that the Titans did, you know, something around there. From what I understand, the, the, those contracts or are, are, are that contract negotiation never got to that point, obviously, with um, the Jaguars and, and, and Arden Key. And I think that that's sort of why he feels a little bit disrespected. Um, I, I think there's there's sort of a, a lot of conversation to go around that. Um, you know, should he be disrespect or feel disrespected or, you know, did they actually disrespect him? I I don't think they disrespect him. That's just sort of how they, um, went about this free agency. They only have a a certain amount of cap space. They're, they're very low against the cap. I think they have only like 4.3 million on the table right now. So there just wasn't a lot they could have done to retain him and then obviously keep in mind, you know, moving forward, they're going to have to extend guys like Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, et cetera. So 
Um, you know, I, I think that that was sort of the, the situation and Arden, you know, is, is fine to feel how he feels. Yeah, it's just surprising sometimes when you see a veteran say things like that. Like, you can understand someone coming off a rookie contract who's commanding a large salary, but with Arden, a guy who's been in the league, been with the San Francisco 49ers, and, uh, you know, it was just, I guess, a little surprising when I read that he had said that, you know, because usually they, they should understand, and players should understand, this is a business, and you're right, the Jaguars, I mean, they, they had to re-sign a lot of guys. Luckily, they've only lost, you know, aside from Taylor and Key, you know, a backup tight end and Chris Manhurts, but, you know, you're right. Trevor Lawrence is going to be the big one here in a couple of years. And, you know, I, I thought one of the funnier things I saw in a while was Shad Khan selling his yacht and you joking on Twitter that, you know, he's trying to free up some money to, to re-sign Trevor. So I, I thought that was pretty funny. But, you know, talk about that that cap space because the Jaguars, they're, they're really trying to keep this team together in some really tight windows. And aside from just the cap space, talk about some of the players that they were able to retain. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, they right now I'm looking at it, actually, they have four point four million dollars remaining in cap space. Now, a certain portion of that has to be allocated for their their draft class, which is around the nine point something million. Um, I think that it's six point six million in terms of the top 51. I won't bore you with the with the with the fine details, but essentially <clears throat> they're going to have to make more space now you know throughout the offseason they've obviously made a lot of moves they extend the contract for Roy, Roy Robertson Harris which freed up I believe around five million dollars in cap space they restructured deals for Foyer Aluakin Zay Jones Christian Kirk Brandon Sheriff that was able to free up you know over 30 million in, in cap space because they they need to get you know ahead of it and and that was honestly their entire message entire goal um this offseason and they've stayed true to it was that um, they want to retain the players that they have and they want to invest um, in the draft. You know, they, they, they've only lost one starter out, out of all this, you know, all the mayhem uh, that is free agency. They've only lost one starter um, in the entire, you know, out of out of 22 guys. And that's Jawan. So right now, you know, they they went out and they made a priority to re-sign Andrew Wingard, who is a great special teams player. He's able to come in as a third safety. I think that they value him a lot as a locker room guy. Um, you know, he obviously really wanted to stay. They were able to make that work. They brought back C.J. Beathard, which is another move that, you know, is for pretty much Trevor Lawrence. You know, you, you want to have a veteran quarterback. Obviously, C.J. knows Trevor very well, having been with him for two years. Um, they brought back Adam Godsis, who who also is a special teams guy, um, rotational defensive lineman. Trey Herndon, you know, he started at nickel for the latter half of the season. That was an important re-signing for them. They they went out and they took a look at other guys who could sort of fill in that backup nickel or maybe even starting nickel role. Um, but they had to circle back to Trey Herndon. You know, the, those are the type of moves that were expected for them to make. They brought back Jermichael Hasty, Tavon Campbell, all of their um, exclusive rights guys, including Riley Patterson. Um, and then obviously they franchise tagged Evan Ingram. Th those are all the moves that, that they've made thus far. And it sort of aligns exactly with what they said. Um, you know, keeping in mind, obviously, over the past couple of years, they you know, we're sort of forced to venture into free agency, having to uh, sign guys to huge contracts. We saw, you know, Christian Kirk last year, obviously was a big one. Foyer last year was a big one. Roy Robertson Harris the year before, Shaq Griffin the year before, things of that nature. But, you know, now they just sort of want to, you know, stand pat. Um, they know that they have a roster that's worth continuing to develop. And I think that's sort of what they want to do.
And Shaq Griffin, of course, he was released earlier this year. And, of course, they're going to keep C.J. Beathard. You don't want to get rid of your best ping-pong player in the clubhouse. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, as you say, the, the numbers break down. You don't want to sit here and give all of that in a podcast. But for those interested, go to Jacksonville.com and read Demetrius's story on that because you, you do have a really good breakdown that's up on our website and, uh, you know, it, it's a really good way to uh, to find out how those numbers work and how, how all of that is. So, uh, you know, I, another interesting tidbit that I saw, though, Demetrius, and this surprised me, the Jaguars, they are the only team, aside from the Baltimore Ravens as of Monday, that hasn't gone out and signed any free agents. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, both situations are sort of different. Obviously, Baltimore is kind of keeping an eye out on their own guy, Lamar Jackson. You know, they need to see what he's going to do, what they need to do with him. Um, but the Ravens have been, you know, historically a team that doesn't really venture out into the first wave, the big splash free agents. Um, and the Jaguars are sort of, you know, in that boat this year. I think that I think that the big difference is that they, the, the Jaguars feel like they finally have a roster that has a nice core of group of players. They don't need to bring in guys to become that core because they have it. That's that's their sentiments. That's, that's their feeling. And they can, you know, invest with their draft picks and in, in, in other positions. I think that that's sort of, you know, the direction they're 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 heading, which is positive. Absolutely. And if you want to read more about the Jaguars and free agency, go to your favorite search engine, type in Demetrius Harvey Jaguars free agency or go to Jacksonville.com or check him out on Twitter. Where can we check you out on Twitter, Demetrius? At Demetrius82, you know, I post about a lot of things, including the NFL and the Jaguars and just random thoughts that I have. Well, there you go. So enough on free agency talk now. Let's look at what you're going to be doing coming up here. And you're going to be flying out to go to the owners meetings, which are in Arizona this year. So tell us uh, exactly when those are going to be and uh, what you're expecting to get out of going there to cover them. Yeah, that that's going to be, you know, pretty much through the, the 27th through the 29th. Um, you know, that, that's pretty much where all of the owners, it, it happens a couple of times a year, but this is the big one where the owners, the GMs and the, and the head coaches sort of all congregate together, including their families. And, in, in, in some cases, um, at a resort, they get together, they, you know, take part in, in various meetings. Um, Shad Khan actually is, or used to be at least, I don't know if he necessarily still is, but he was the, um, leader of the, of the, uh, business ventures committee, which basically, from what I understand, I guess it's it's just you know how how do you expand the NFL scope with various you know projects or whatever business that that needs to take place. But essentially, they're they're going to you know get there, congregate, um, you know talk about rule changes. They're going to talk about maybe um, having a a a fourth down, fourth and twenty instead of an onside kick. You know, sort of how the XFL has it with the fourth and fifteen. You know, the, those kind of things. Um, are going to be talked about and, and, you know, obviously not everything's going to get passed. I, I doubt that, um, the onside kick is going to get passed, but there, there's, there's different little things that, that they need to meet about. And this is sort of the time that they do it every year. Um, it, 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 it should be good. It should be good. Shotcon's not going to be speaking, uh, during those few days, but Doug Peterson will be speaking. Um, I don't think that Trent Balky will be speaking. We'll, we'll be speaking, but, you know, for, you know, in, in terms of content and, 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 and what we're going to be able to learn from that, it, it, it's a lot, you know, we're going to see 
you know, are these rule changes going to happen? What's going on with the rest of the league? You know, there's certain, you know, teams that are going to be interest or points of interest, like the Washington Commanders, obviously, with that sale and all that kind of nonsense. Um, but, you know, it, it, it should be an interesting few days. Yeah, definitely. Maybe Shad's not going because the yacht that he didn't sell uh, probably can't sail to Arizona. So uh, maybe it could fly. I don't know. It'll look like one of those things out of the, uh, you know, the Marvel movies where it looks like an aircraft carrier in the sky. But, you know, Trent Balky, here's a guy who, you know, maybe a year, year and a half ago was on the hot seat. Everyone wanted him gone. You become a genius really quickly when things go right. So just talk about the job he's done. Yeah, you know, it is funny because uh, it was just a year ago, a year and change um, when fans showed up to the the regular season finale um, dressed like clowns because they were upset about Shad Khan retaining Trent Baalke. They thought that the team needed a full reset, which arguably it did. You know, at that point, the Jaguars had two atrocious seasons in a row, one dis- disastrous season, which it's crazy to think because they went one in 15, they the year prior and they actually won more games the next year, but still, um, you know, for him to have turned around sort of his image, I think it just goes to show that what winning can do, Uh, you know, the, the team wins, the fans show up, the fans are excited. It doesn't matter what else is going on. Um, but I think he's done a, a, a pretty solid job. I think that obviously last year's free agency class hit and, you know, it's it, it, it's tough to say, but, you know, obviously, you know, you kind of lucked out in a way when you got Trevor Lawrence. Everybody knew that this guy was going to be uh, what he is right now and what he's probably going to look like. And that's sort of a top five, you know, caliber quarterback. Um, and when you have that guy, it, it makes your job as a general manager and as a head coach that much easier. So, you know, his sort of revival of that um, is, is ongoing. Obviously, he still needs to uh, make the right decisions as far as who else he brings in, how the team is constructed mo- moving forward. But for now, I think he's got a pretty good leash of a pretty uh, good cushion in terms of, you know, having that respect from the fan base, um, I, having that respect from the media. I haven't seen many uh, pieces about him, you know, in in, in a negative light. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a good situation for him, and I'm sure he's happy that he has Trevor. Yeah, definitely. And he's got some big choices coming up here because now we're also about a month out from the NFL draft. The Jaguars, you know, they're in a different position than the last few years because they're drafting much lower in the first round. They have a lot of picks. They have nine picks this year. You were at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis a few weeks ago, and you were looking at some of the potential guys that the Jaguars are looking at. But I imagine, given cap space, you know, the number of players you're going to have to sign, money, could we see some trades? You know, what, what are they looking to do in the draft? Just tell us, you know, what you've been hearing and, and who are you and who you were looking at. Yeah, the, you know, it, it's it's going to be a lot different. It's it, it's a lot different to, to draft in the top 10 or the top five, like they have been, um, than it is to draft at pick 24, you know, with, with the top five picks, you can sort of make your board of five players and you know, you're going to get at least one of them with the 24th pick you make, you know, you, you still have your, your big board, but you're more likely, you know, you're going to be picking in that latter half of, of your sort of top players list, you know, barring something crazy happening. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's a lot different for them. I think that their scope has sort of widened in terms of who, what players they're looking at. I think last year we sort of knew Trayvon Walker, you know, got the, 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 uh, 
offensive linemen, Aiden Hutchinson, you know, different guys, but you only had to look at just a few and you had to hone in on which one you're going to pick. Um, this year, I think they, they were more spread out. So, you know, there's guys like Clemson's defensive lineman, uh, Brian Bruzzi, who, who sort of, um, it, it, it kind of, I know people make the, the Taven Bryan comparisons, but, but really it, it's not, he, he's, he's sort of a, a guy who has dealt with some hard times. He's had a, a couple injuries. Um, he, he unfortunately lost his sister due to cancer. You know, he's, he's had to battle through some adversity, um, which, you know, resulted in his production sort of dropping off but but he's a guy that the Jaguars are probably looking at I know uh, for a fact that they were looking at Osiris Torrance they brought him in for a formal interview he's the offensive lineman out of uh, Florida I think that he would make a great fit obviously at, at, at 24 if he's there if they would like to upgrade that left guard position um, another guy is Syracuse Offensive lineman, offensive tackle, Matthew um, Bergeron. I probably butchered his name, uh, which I will for a lot of these these guys because they have some uh, unique names. But you know, he he's a key, he's a kid who you know tested amazing in terms of his athleticism. I think that they um, have met with him as well. Offensive line coach Phil Rauscher um, probably spent some time with him as well during their meetings. You know, th- so there's a couple guys on that list, and then obviously the the defensive backs, Joey Porter Jr. Out out of Penn State, um, you know, Keely Ringo out of Georgia. There's a, there's a few guys on that list where you're looking at and you're saying, hey, um, you know, if you're there at 24, we're going to get you. I, I think that they sort of have that mindset of, you know, at this point in their rebuild, their their roster construction, that they're just going to take the best player available, whether that's a nickel corner, an offensive lineman, or an edge rusher. I think that all of those are on the table. Yeah, certainly. So we'll keep a close eye out on that to see what they do. And like I said, some moves could potentially happen. And, you know, the draft is always a fun few days. And again, coming up in just about a month. So, you know, I can't let you out of here without talking about Trevor Lawrence, because when you mentioned the Jaguars, he is now synonymous with the team. You know, he went from 3,600 yards, 12 touchdowns and 17 interceptions in his rookie year to 4,100 yards, 25 touchdowns and eight interceptions a huge improvement. So what does he have to do in year three to continue to build on that success? Yeah, I I think for, for Trevor, especially it's about consistency. He has to start, you know, stacking up those games where he throws for 350 yards and, and, and four touchdowns, you know, games like that. You can't have, uh, what happened while it was a miraculous comeback, probably the best comeback in NFL history, in my opinion, just in terms of the, 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 the intrigue surrounding it against the chargers, you know, he still did throw four interceptions in the first half you know, whether that was his fault or not. Um, you know, that, that sort of inconsistency showed up somewhat throughout the season. It's hard to sort of be negative about the guy. Um, but, but those are the things that you're looking for in terms of improvement. I think that his leadership skills, um, have improved. They improved greatly throughout the years. A Jones talked about that. Um, at the end of the season, I, I think that, you know, moving forward, you know, it, it's only up from here for Trevor. You know, if the baseline is what he did last season, I think that every Jaguar fan would pretty much accept that um, for the most part. Um, but but I think that, you know, his his ceiling is a lot higher. I think the addition of Calvin Ridley will, will, will help that. Uh, being in year two of a Doug Peterson offense will absolutely help that. Um, so, you know, the sky's the limit, but, you know, just improving on the consistency and, and making sure that he's making the right reads and things of that nature. I think that that's something that he's going to have to work on. 
Yeah, definitely. Before the season, you know, the Vegas odds were saying over under at 4,000 yards. And of course, he had uh, just around 4,100. So it makes you wonder what they're going to set that at this year. Probably closer to 42, 4,430 touchdowns or something. Because you do have Calvin Ridley. You know, you've got Zay Jones, who had a great year. You had Evan Engram and Christian Kirk. But, you know, one guy I want to talk about is Travis Etienne because he didn't even get you know, full uh, backing or, or full starting, you know, at the beginning of the season. And then the Jaguars trade away James Robinson. He becomes the man and has just a monster season. So, you know, uh, how, what is the ceiling on him? Because, you know, is he somebody that you see, you know, maybe 1,500 yards out of next year? Yeah, I, I don't know necessarily about 1,500 yards, but, you know, he's a guy that, um I feel like it's sort of overlooked because, you know, I think he had around 1,100 yards rushing this year, maybe 200 yards in addition to that in terms of his his receiving, maybe even more. I, I'm not exactly sure. Um, but the point is that, you know, he had high production. And like you said, he was even the starting running back and getting that many reps until I think around week six, you know, um, it, it, it wasn't like he was the, the bell cow guy getting 25 carries a game. He was getting like 10. So, you know, moving forward, I think that for his um, production to increase, it, it, it just makes sense because now he's pretty much the guy. Yeah. They have Jermichael Hasey, they have Snoop Connor, um, but you know, they don't have that much depth at that position. It's something that they'll probably look at in the draft. Um, but for now, Travis Etienne is the guy entering year three, really for him year two. Um, I think that his improvement is is going to be great. I think that he's a guy who they probably can get more involved in the passing game. Um, that's not really a Doug Peterson offensive style to, you know, pass to, to the running backs. But when you have a guy like Travis, you sort of want to be able to utilize him uh, to the best of, 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 of your ability. And I think that, you know, moving forward, they're going to have a great plan for him. So, yeah, um, you know, for 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 Travis, I think that it's going to be um, a successful year. I think that he's somebody that they can rely on and, and you know, the sky's the limit. Yeah, he started 12 of the 17 games last year. He had 1,125 yards rushing. He had 316 yards receiving for a total of 1,441 yards. So, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, great things can happen if he stays healthy and if he can start all 17 games. And, of course, health is always the big thing in the NFL. But, you know, what, one more subject to, to touch on before I let you go, Demetrius, is the defense. Because, I mean, look, they're really the reason the Jaguars were able to do what they did last year. You know, uh, Trevor, he had some learning curve to go. You know, he had the really bad game against Philadelphia where he had four uh, interceptions and a fumble, or four fumbles and an interception. And, uh, you know, the defense almost bailed them out of that game. You know, they won the Dallas Cowboys game. They won the Tennessee Titans game. So, you know, looking at that defense, you know, Josh Allen broke out the second half of the season. You know, he wasn't a big factor the first half. So what, what do you expect him to be the defensive leader? Is it Roy Robertson Harris? Who is it, you know, or is it several of these guys? Because this, it seems like a star by committee with this defense because they have so many good players. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. But I, I do think that Josh, um, for what he's able to bring to the table, you know, he's sort of a guy that you expect to step into that role 
even more, you know, going into his fifth year, potentially his last year with the Jaguars, if they don't extend him. Um, I think that he has a lot to prove to himself, to the rest of the league, to the Jaguars, to his teammates. Um, so I expect him to make a pretty big effort, uh, a pretty big jump this year. You know, last year he was dealing with some, you know, uh, nicks and bruises during the early portion of the season. Obviously, his production sort of fell off. Um, not to say that that's the excuse for it, but, you know, that's sort of, you know, the the uh, the 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 inner workings of, of how, you know, players what they have to go through sort of to uh, put that, you know, production on the field. But, you know, for for the Jaguars, they have a bunch of of, of different guys. Like you said, Roy Robinson Harris was a clear leader last year. He was, you know, leading the huddle. Uh, Foley Fadakasi was another guy. I know that his production wasn't um, as great as you would want, but you know he's a guy who definitely showed up as a leader. Rayshon Jenkins brings the energy. Um, you know Tyson Campbell, sort of that silent leader in terms of his ability to uh, just lock down guys. And 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 if you're looking at that on defense, you you respect him highly for that. So he's a guy for them to look up to. You know, th- there's a, there's a few players on the team who I think that. Uh, command that respect. Foye Aluakin is another one. He's the uh, unquestioned quarterback of the defense, lining people up. So yeah, they have a, a bunch of guys, but absolutely, I expect Josh Allen to be that tier one guy who you're expecting to, you know, on a down to down basis, be there and and sort of uh, lead the team. Yeah, absolutely. And as I mentioned earlier, when you see Josh Allen in person. You know, he looks like Michelangelo sculpted him like he did David. I mean, it is just unreal what that guy looks like. So I'm the size of his leg, but I'm so jealous of people that are that giant. So, uh, you know, Demetrius, is there anything else that we haven't got in front of the audience today that you may want to mention? Yeah, uh, you know, I I interviewed Adam Gotsis on Monday. Uh, that should be up by the time, you know, you guys see this or, 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 or listen to this, or if it's not, you know, it'll be up shortly. And, you know, he's excited to rejoin the Jaguars. He's, he's able to get some stability signing a two year contract. He gave me a, a lot of good insight into how the locker room sort of came together. Uh, you know, why the defense should be better next year than it was last year. And just an overall thoughts on his, you know, idea of coming back to the Jaguars. So, you know, content like that, you know, I'm trying to keep it fresh every day. It's, it's sort of tough right now because there's not much going on with the Jaguars since they're not that active in free agency. But, um, you know, still re- retaining their guys, I think, is, is a pretty good story. And it just shows, you know, exactly what the locker room was like last year. Yeah, absolutely. And again, read that story at jacksonville.com. And one more time, where can people find you on Twitter? Because you've almost got 20,000 followers and we want to get that number up to 20K. That would be amazing. Uh, go to at Demetrius82 on Twitter. Uh, li- like I said earlier, I just talk about the Jaguars, NFL, some random thoughts I'll have. I try to crack a joke or two like the Shotcon yacht thing. Uh, but, you know, obviously, you know, you can find my content there as well. But go to jacksonville.com to find that. And uh, yeah. Absolutely. So follow his coverage as we head into the players or the owners meetings, the NFL draft. And then, boy, I can't wait to get things underway late this summer and into the season. Demetrius, it's always a pleasure. The season seems far away, but it's going to get here quickly. Thanks for sharing all your knowledge. And hey, I can't wait to see you up there at some games this year. Absolutely. It it moves fast, uh, maybe faster than than we would want, but it'll be here soon. That's true. And that's going to do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson, an individual can make a difference, but a team can make a miracle.
And while he said that about Philadelphia, he also pulled off a miracle this past year for the Jaguars, especially against the Chargers in the playoffs. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time.